This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast, Episode 6. If you like this podcast, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. That way we'll be able to keep you updated on podcast news and events. Hi, this is Dan Andrews, and I'd like to thank you for downloading the Lifestyle Business Podcast. This is a podcast aimed at individuals who are interested in unconventional approaches to life, business, and their careers. Hey, this is Dan. Thanks for downloading the podcast today. I want to let you know we've got a free video uh, that we're offering to people who sign up for the mailing list, so you can uh, check that out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. This week we have a short uh, conversation between Ian and I uh, about a listener email we got from Paul in Oregon. And uh, the question was, what's the fastest way to grow your business? So we'll jump right into it and get to it. Okay, everybody. Well, it's been a huge week. I've, you know, I'm pulling together a major trip, be a, a long-term flashpacking adventure in Asia, in, this, in the Pacific island nation of the Philippines, or at least that's where I'm going to start. I'm not quite sure where it's going to take me. My friend and colleague and co-host, Ian. Thanks for joining us, Ian. Thanks, Dan. Ian will be heading off to the People's Republic of China a couple weeks, and so Needless to say, we've been a little strapped for time, pulling together all the things that need to have happen, actually inspiring a lot of cool content that we thought we could put out on the podcast, about how to make these kinds of preparations, the kinds of ways, of course, our businesses are set up so that we can do it. But today we wanted to have a more casual exercise or episode to sort of decompress from the week and answer a question that we received from Paul, who is located in Oregon. And by the way, we love hearing from the listeners, so thanks for the email, Paul. And Paul just said, you know, you guys sound like smart guys. I just wanted to shoot out a random question. And and he asked, if you could only give one piece of advice, what's the fastest way to grow your business? Ian and I both had the same generic answer. Uh, So we pulled together around about six points that sort of outlined the approach we think is the fastest way to grow a business. We've grown quite a few ourselves, and we've sort of certainly seen it happen from our colleagues, our, our peer group, our mentors, and our mastermind groups. So from our experience, this is the best we got. And if you've got advice, I hope that you share it with the community. Come to the website at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Hit that contact form or sign up for the mailing list and let us know what you think. So let's get started, Ian. How about you kick us off with, uh, you you, uh, you developed these six points. So uh, how about you introduce them to us? Yeah, so um, I think the number one point uh, is higher and higher fast, uh, and it's to get people involved with your organization. Working by yourself for yourself is no fun, and it's, it's not the best way to build something really big and to build something really fast. Get good people on, talented people on, smart people on as fast as you possibly can. A lot of this is tied to getting people on as fast as possible. You know, a lot of times it's people will structure it around revenue. So you'll hit a certain revenue number, then you'll hire, and then you'll hire again. Um, sometimes you have to go into debt to do this. Wh- whatever it takes, if you have a vision, chances are you, you need people to help you fulfill that vision because you can't do all this by yourself. So hire as many good people as you can as soon as possible. What I love about this advice is that it's very, it seems very cleanly, um, you know, it's an obvious answer. I mean, I think a lot of people would give this answer, but it's also 
a very difficult one. Very, very difficult to hire people. In a lot of businesses, it's the largest expense. If you're an entrepreneur, 100%, generally the things that you're hiring people for, you can do yourself. Um, and so there's all these sorts of complications that arise you know, when you, you try to make the step towards hiring. Yeah, I think that that it's really important that a lot of the hard parts are, are letting go of the easy things, right? So letting go of the tasks that you know you can do, but realize that also other people can do those tasks probably better and faster than you can. And your main job as a CEO probably of your company is to grow your company. So if you're fulfilling like um, these tasks that other people can do, get other people in those in those tasks, working those jobs for you so, so you can move on to higher level tasks. Well, here's one way to put it. If you're an entrepreneur running a home-based business and you can't afford to hire people or even get outsourced individuals, whether it be a virtual assistant in the Philippines or Vietnam or India involved on your team, then the things that you're doing aren't valuable enough. And, you know, even the things that you're identifying working towards, I think what happens is when you get into this like do-it-yourself mentality, you can get away with a lot more. You get away with a lot more stuff that's not valuable than if you were accountable to a budget and someone's salary and you know ensuring that what they're doing is worth it. Yeah, for, for those of you that are still on your own or that haven't hired your first or second employee, it gets interesting when you get other people around you that you're accountable for. Uh, it gets interesting what you do with your time and how you, how you dictate them to spend their time as well. I mean, you really figure out if, if you've got what it takes to kind of run a business and, and run an organization with people in it. A lot of people think that having employees signifies a lack of freedom. And obviously, as lifestyle entrepreneurs, we think the exact opposite. In fact, people that are slow to hire and are unwilling to generally have cemented themselves into their business and if you can free yourself up from your business, create processes that your business runs on, clear directives that you can plug people in and have them execute things that are of high value for you know your business, that's going to give you tons and tons of freedom. One of the reasons you're going to the Philippines is because you've got a team in place there that you've put together over the internet and over the phone. And now it's time to show some face there. So this is a pretty good example of not having to work right beside your employees 100% of the time. But it is important to go sh show face and, and, and to build a team and to build, a, to, to build a strong vision together. It's not required that I meet with these guys. For me, it's, it's a huge opportunity to have a lot of fun and get involved in a new culture and to like really understand the opportunities for, you know, if you've got one or two, four, three or four even virtual assistants in the Philippines, one's maybe focused on design, one's focus, focused on website development, one's focused on men and research, lead generation, whatever. Okay, like, you know, you don't, you know, have to visit them, but if, if you're to the point where you want to scale a multi-million dollar business, you want to have a large group of support and you want to identify strong leadership, strong talent, I think, you know, at a certain point you have to put in your time and you have to go there and ensure that things are happening according to your vision, you know, and understand what the vision is of the talented people that you have involved. I think that that's a great asset, but I got to admit that a big part of the reason why I want to go work with people in the Philippines is that it's a great opportunity to understand that country and, and uh, you know, it's close to a lot of other cool places that we both love. We both love Hong Kong and, you know, I haven't been to Bali yet, and it's something that's on my radar for sure. And um, we'll be talking a lot about uh, my sojourns to those locations. I'm I'm very much hoping within the next few months here. So that first point is uh, 
higher and higher quickly. And just one one quick thing that I want to throw out on that point is that um, when we talk about hiring, you know, a lot of people a lot of people think about like a huge expense. You know, you hire a guy for 30, 40 k a year, tack on health care, you tack on taxes, things things like that. Now, yeah, that's what happens usually, generally when you hire somebody in the United States. But there is another route, and that's outsourcing, right, which we talk about a lot on this program. And that's hiring a guy in the Philippines. And for those of you that don't know, uh, you can get very qualified administrative assistants um, that speak extremely proper English for four to $700 a month. Yeah. And I mean, I've certainly heard people get better rates than that, but it's incredible. And you're not, you know, there's no accessorial expenses hidden there anywhere. I mean, they're very thankful to receive five, $600 a month. And I think that we're going to be sharing a lot more about how that can help your business and like how you can get that kind of thing working for you um, in the very near future here. So let's move on to your second point. I'm interested to hear about that. Great. And so the second point is something that we've already touched on a little bit, which is don't run your business alone. I think this is really important, um, circling back to accountability. Uh, it's really important to be accountable to yourself. That's what hiring employees will do, and to your business, and to your employees. So when we say don't run your business alone, it's no fun running a business alone. I know that I've done it before, um, especially early stages of startup. Uh, it's really hard. It's it's good to have people to bounce ideas off. It's good to have people working for you to support your vision in the right direction. And uh, it's kind of the snowball effect, you know. I love your point, Ian, about personal accountability. I think that that is a huge point. And I, I also have this idea that if, if you're an entrepreneur, your job is to identify things that are valuable. And your job is also to like sort of coordinate the resources to pull together to create revenues and profits. If, you're, if it's worth doing, if it's worth identifying, then it's worth hiring for. And you know, you're, as an entrepreneur, you're always going to have to get your hands gritty and everything, but everybody can hire. There's nobody listening to this podcast that can't afford $400 a month. And there's also this idea in, implied in what you're saying, you know, the advice is don't run your business alone. The counter to that is like hire immediately. And sometimes I tell people if they say, you know, I don't have a business yet. Like what I would say is for some people that are just starting out, choose a business model and, and start working with someone, an outsourced professional for four or $500 a month, sacrifice some of your spending cash or savings money or whatever and start investing in an employee. Very quickly, your mind starts to gravitate towards valuable tasks. As a home-based business professional entrepreneur, sometimes you can kind of get caught up on things that you know, aren't as valuable, that you might like a little bit more, that are a little safer, that are a little bit more fun maybe. And that can be a big problem because you know the ultimate goal isn't for you to like piddle around on the parts of your business that you think are exciting. The ultimate goal is for you to like have your business make you money. What's your third piece of advice here? I think we've kind of run number two into the ground. Third piece of advice, uh, number three, take seriously the scale of your vision. Um, so really consider, really, really consider what you're trying to build from the beginning. So it doesn't always turn out the way that you that you intend, um, but it's really important to have like a clear vision of, of where you see this, where you see this going. So Let me give you an example of how I use this scale idea relative to hiring people. I'll look at a business, a product offering an opportunity, and I'll say, how much money do I want that to make me? How much money do I think it can make me? Or I'll look at a a certain opportunity and I'll say, what's going to make it worth it to me? 
you know, what's the what's my number in this direction? After I determine that, I'll then kind of retroactively go back down the list and I'll say, all right, well, how many products am I going to have to deliver? Okay, well, what's it going to take to make those products? What is my team going to look like? At least any business ought to be producing you cash profits, number one. And number two, you want to not have to work for them. You want to set it and forget it. And it always involves an employee, an assistant, an outsourced professional, a freelancer, whatever it is. If your goal is to not be working at it, it's necessarily true that you need somebody involved to help manage that stuff and to proliferate those things. Now, there's certainly exceptions, but if you want to make really meaningful income and freedom in your life, most of those scenarios, if you do that retro, retroactive analysis, will involve somebody running it. And unless your dream is to run your businesses and not just profit from the money, then you need to have somebody. Because, I mean, I don't know anybody, maybe, you know, I don't, not that it's the worst thing in the world, but most people don't want to work for their businesses. And you sh- shouldn't want to work for your business 40 hours a week. Right, right. So it's separating this worker mentality in this in this business owner mentality. I think a lot of times in small businesses, you, you do see um, small business owners working their business. You know, I think that's, in a lot of cases, that's flawed, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're not valuing your skills as an entrepreneur enough because if it's not worth it for you to be free of that business so that you can use the profits to invest in other opportunities and other things that you're passionate about, then what's the point in the beginning? You're building yourself a really tailor-made fancy job. And that's not what entrepreneurship's about. Right, and so hopefully your vision as an entrepreneur is to visualize yourself doing high, high value things. And that's what we do all the time, right? And that's why we can't... Visualizing this stuff, you mean? Maybe not always doing high value stuff. (laughs) I was just reading blogs all afternoon. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that uh, sometimes we can sound a little flip when we say stuff like this, like to bring it down to reality that this is really challenging stuff too, you know? I mean, it's, it's tough not to work yourself into your business when a lot of times you know, people start businesses around the things that they're really good at. And they should do that. There's no reason why you shouldn't start a business around something you're good at. Um, And it can be challenging. So this is to say that this advice still stands, even though it's challenging. So what's the next point here? So what's the next point here, Ian? Okay, so the the fourth point, excuse me, is be confident in your vision. So be confident in the money that you're going to spend, the resources you're going to put towards your vision. Understand your vision. Be confident moving forward with that vision. You know, here's the thing. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur, and I think what you're saying is that you have to be decisive. You have to pull together the data and and you have to make the decision whether you have enough data to make a decision or whether you have to be decisive about what data you do need to make a decision and if it's even possible for you to make a decision. But the bottom line is don't waffle along. Like, if you make a, if you pull together the data, I mean, immediately you should be pulling together the data and know what your target revenue needs to be in order to hire an employee. Be aggressive about it. And when you know you've got there, hire, 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 and don't look back. Right. And so, you know, don't be foolish about it, you know, uh, but, but plenty of good inventions, plenty of good ideas got started without anybody asking anybody's permission, right? So people were just confident about it. You know, they moved forward with their idea. They knew it was a good idea and, and they moved forward. Now, I have seen tons of examples of people moving forward on bad ideas because they didn't listen to people. But if you're listening to people um, and, and, and they're affirming with you for the most part that you have a good idea, you really believe in your vision, your idea, move forward with it. Also test. Absolutely. Test, test your ideas, you know, and... And uh, there's awesome techniques out there about, you know, how to test from time to time. We send out some case studies. So if you want to see those, 
get on the mailing list. Um, and certainly we'll, we need to pull together an episode about uh, testing and, and how that's benefited some of our businesses. Um, let's get on to the next point here. Uh, so the next point here is um, about the people that you hire, uh, and that is manage and manage well. And that's kind of a, a vague point, but um, what I'm trying to say here is that it's really important that you take time to manage the people that you hire. Um, it doesn't do you any good to like bring people in and, and not have a clear vision for what they're going to do and not share it with them. So you really gotta you really gotta manage how people are going to spend their time and have expected deliverables and know what kind of progress they should be making for themselves and for the company. There's a couple anecdotes that stick in my head about this point. One is the the, the founder of Pandora. I think I believe it was Pandora, the business. Some some great anecdote about how the founder uh, took 100% responsibility for the first 100 personnel decisions, and just shows you how important they they considered getting the right people involved. But also, I mean, I've seen it be utterly disastrous. To I have a personal friend who kind of got himself into a situation where. You know, there were other talented people on his staff and kind of too soon handed over the reins of personnel decisions. And it's truly been a disaster because, you know, when you get out of that role where you're responsible for who's there, why they're there and what they're doing, if you, if you get out of the driver's seat on that one, sometimes it's tough to come back in retroactively. And of course, it's always ultimately your business and you have the final call, but managing this stuff being a strong, having like setting very high specific goals for people is so utterly valuable that, you know, it's always more valuable for you to step back, think about what your business needs, create a process and write a job ad and start talking to people that could potentially do that job for you than it is for you just to work a couple hours longer and get it done yourself. Okay. So that brings us to our sixth and final point. Don't build yourself in as a worker or a key technical person. Uh, and this is something that we talked about in the first point. Um, a lot of us start off building businesses based on uh, hobbies, experiences, or maybe like what we've been trained in or what we're really good in. And I think that's okay. You know, that the reason why that's a good idea is because uh, a lot of times you have like an insider track on information. You know, you've been working at something for 10 years and you decide you want to start your own business around it or something like that. You've got a lot of built up information that's going to help you be successful. Okay, so like I said, don't build yourself in as a worker, or a key technical person. You've got two competing roles here. One is running the business and then the other one is being the key worker, or the key technical person. We often call those people engines, right? Like people that kind of consistently like apply huge amounts of time and effort to specific tasks, whether they're a copywriter or a designer or a salesperson. Yeah, and it's really hard to be both, at least successfully or moving forward, you know, and we're talking about building big things here. So um, if you want to build big things and you want to move mountains and you want to grow your business fast, um, you've got to get workers in place. You know, two anecdotes again uh, pop into my head about this one. One is your business. You are an industrial designer, a very talented one, and Despite that, you've hired industrial designers. And something interesting happens when you let go of your technical expertise and you become the entrepreneur in the businesses that, and I think that this might have been like a little, a little shocking for you too, as like you are an expert industrial designer, but that how much more effective you can be when you're actually managing people uh, that you know what they're supposed to be producing. Your role then becomes not to be the content engine or the creation engine, but the integrator, the person who understands like their product needs to be, what the output needs to be, and then 
ensuring that you're communicating across that a broad spectrum from suppliers to uh, end users to like everyone, like there's a lot to coordinate in a business, you know? Right. Right. And I think that it just goes to show that, you know, I, I have some design talent and when I was a worker, I was, I was pretty good at it, but the bottom line is that I'm, I'm much better at pulling people together and I'm also much better at pulling together the right person for the right job. Well, it's valuable. It's more valuable in almost every case as well, which is interesting. Yeah. So even if you weren't better at it, it's worth getting good at. It's worth practicing um, because in your business, some designer off the street isn't going to know how to integrate, you know, these like these designs off uh, across a network of suppliers and customers like that has to be your role. And like you said, if you're trying to do both, you're losing tons of efficiency because there's something about that switch back and forth when you're like in entrepreneur's mode and then you're like back into like grinder mode where you're supposed to be creating X amount of work. You know, at one of my corporate gigs, one of my roles was to evaluate, you know, whether we should merge or uh, acquire other companies. You know, one time I was evaluating a really smart entrepreneur's business. He had grown his business. It was it was a design and manufacturing firm to $5 million. So he had a $5 million business, um, you know, pretty impressive personal income. The problem was is that he had cemented his role into the business as a technical expert. And because he hadn't managed to create processes and a strong team and everything, the value of his business was really and truly significantly decreased. So, you know, you'd think like at, at the level of $5 million of business would be immune from this kind of thing, but not the case at all. And, you know, it really changed our valuation of his business and uh, it changed our idea of how valuable it was. So, Definitely, you, you know, you always want to create businesses that are valuable to other people as well. And obviously, that makes them worth more. And so this is one way to do that is to make sure you have strong processes and a strong team structure involved uh, that doesn't depend on you as the fountainhead to really drive this thing. One other point about this hiring thing that, you know, I don't know, might not be a significant point, but kind of resonates with me. Because there's a lot of talk about the solopreneur and there's certainly a lot of glorification of it, especially on the blogs and podcasts. And you hear about it all the time, like you can do it, you can work from home and stuff. But, you know, I hang around with a lot of successful entrepreneurs and I do travel the world for my business and I see people who are doing this. And there are not a lot of people who have achieved 100% passive income, um, strong business assets, strong growth oriented businesses all by themselves, you know? Now there's some cool notable examples, but you know, nine times out of 10, maybe even more, when someone creates something really special that can create this kind of lifestyle, they've got people on their team helping them out. If, if hiring sounds too scary, you know, get a virtual assistant and start outsourcing immediately. You know, look into those two things. That's going to really get you juiced up for the big transition, which is getting full-time people on your team. Yeah, good point. So uh, in conclusion, I think um, we both agree that the fastest way to grow your business is to hire and hire quickly. So anyway, thanks, Paul, for your question. Really appreciate you uh, dropping us a line. Um, you know, Ian and I are getting ready for our big trips, and uh, we're definitely going to be pulling together a lot of cool flash-packing-oriented mobile entrepreneurship sort of content in the coming weeks here. So hope to see you next time. Thanks again. Well, as you've heard, we've both got a lot going on, but we're really excited to pull together some uh, cool future episodes for the Lifestyle Business Podcast. 
get on that mailing list. Uh, we got a free video for you. Uh, we're also going to be pulling together a bunch of um, episodes about our uh, upcoming travels and how we're arranging our businesses to be able to do that. Uh, so make sure you subscribe in iTunes, and of course, we'd love to hear a shout-out review uh, in the iTunes store. And I'll see you next time. Thanks. Nice.